And so Remix, what really differentiates it is it builds a solid bridge across the network chasm where you can have the power of a backend framework and super, super fast loading times, but also the power of a front-end framework that interacts with that network really efficiently. From the developer experience point of view, you don't have a state management library. There's no global state management to speak of at all. The question of like, does Redux work with Remix? Well, yeah, it does, but why would you do that? You don't need it. And the same with GraphQL. Yeah, you totally can use GraphQL, but you're gonna use it on the back end. The front end doesn't need to bother with shipping that enormous GraphQL client. With Remix, we take a lot of stuff that people are doing on the front end and we're moving it toward the back end. And so we ship less code because Remix is managing that network chasm for you rather than you having to bring in a bunch of libraries to try and piece together that. What's up, party people? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Raygun. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, get actionable real-time insights into the quality and the performance of your web and mobile apps. Raygun delivers modern tooling for customer-centric teams, error monitoring and crash reporting, ship better quality software faster, get code level insights into the health of your application in real time, and start fixing the errors impacting your end user's experience. You get real user monitoring, quickly identify and resolve front end performance issues impacting real users in real time, understand exactly how your application performed for every user session and page load. And of course, application performance monitoring gain unrivaled visibility into server-side performance, unlock detailed code-level insights into the root cause of performance issues so you can take action and deliver lightning-fast digital experiences. The next step is to head to raygun.com and start your free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Join thousands of customer-centric software teams who use Raygun every single day. Again, raygun.com. Welcome to JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live on YouTube Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Subscribe to be notified at youtube.com slash changelog and join in on the chatter at jsparty.fm slash community. Special thanks to our partners at Fastly for shipping JS Party super fast all around the world. Check them out for yourself at fastly.com. Okay, let's do this. It's party time, y'all. Hello, JS Party people. Welcome to another week of JS Party, your party about JavaScript and the web. I'm K-Ball. I will be your host today. I am joined first by a couple of my lovely panelists. Ali, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Doing as well as can be expected in the world today. And Divya, good to see you. It's been a while. Hey, good to be back. Good to have you. We are also joined by the one, the only, Kent C. Dodds. Kent, how's it going? Wow, thank you. <laughs> it's going pretty well. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we are excited to talk with you, Kent. But before we do, we'd actually like to stop for a moment and acknowledge a little bit of what is going on in the world. We are recording this on uh, February 24th, less than 24 hours from when Russia launched an invasion into the Ukraine. And we're going to try to escape for a little bit today, talk about technology, have fun, not think about the world. But we also know that our brothers and sisters in Ukraine can't do that at this moment. 
and we want to take a quick moment of silence in solidarity with the people of Ukraine. Thank you. Our hearts and minds are, are with them. And now let's try to escape into some JavaScript and some fun for a little bit and, and put that aside for a few moments. So, Kent, so our focus today is on Remix. Can you give us a little bit about what Remix is? What are the origins of this new framework company, all of these pieces, and how you got involved with it? Yeah, wow. I mean, I can talk about this for an extended period of time, so I will chunk it up and start with how I got involved or kind of the origin stories of Remix. So when the pandemic hit in March 2020, or hit at least most of us in the US, it really destroyed the React training business that Ryan and Michael, Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson were running because they were really focused on in-person training and uh, pretty much all companies had to stop that. So they had to lay off their employees and it was a really bad time for their, their company and they were figuring out, okay, so what are we gonna do next? And for years, they've always wanted to take React Router to the next logical step and actually have a framework out of React Router. So they decided to go ahead and, and try that and actually, you know what? I think Ryan was initially building a website for something else that he was kind of experimenting with. I can't remember exactly. And so as he was building that, he kind of naturally started building this framework and he started to really like it. And he showed it to me and of course showed it to Michael and we were all really supportive and Michael started helping him with it. And they kind of pivoted to making software and they thought, hey, how about we write software and get paid for it? That's a novel idea. And so, <laughs> so they started to work on this and that was like in April and they kept showing me little demos of, of what they had. And, and then they started posting videos and stuff on YouTube of some of the unique characteristics of Remix. This is very early days before they even had like mutations solution and stuff. It was all just like getting data and showing it on the page. And of course, like you could do your regular mutations the way you always did, um, but before the really nice APIs that they have now. And so ultimately in October, I think at the end of October, they decided to release it as a developer preview beta of the software and you had to buy a license. So a lot of people like took huge issue with that, like, oh, what the heck? I am so used to not paying for stuff that people do for me. <laughs> and, and I was so eager to give them my money and, and use it. So that's kind of the initial story. And they were still, it was in heavy development. It was just Ryan and Michael. I provided feedback. Ryan did say that Remix would have made some really big mistakes if I hadn't provided my, the feedback that I did. So that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> but I was pretty active in providing feedback. And then ultimately... I decided I needed to revamp my website, give it a redesign and everything. And so I decided to use Remix because I was really dissatisfied with Gatsby for a number of reasons that I uh, we can talk about later. And I was just blown away by what Remix enabled me to do that I never would have felt like I had the time or expertise to do before. 
So I rebuilt my site in, in Remix. I couldn't stop talking about it. Anybody who followed me last year on Twitter just like, shut up about Remix. I, I'm always talking about Remix and how great it is. And a lot of people were like, stop talking about it. It costs money. That's stupid. And, and I was like, no, this is great. I think that it's awesome that users of the software actually contribute back into the software financially so it gets better. Whereas open source software, the more people who are using it, the bigger burden there is on the maintainers. So I really like that aspect. But ultimately, they decided that they could make a bigger impact on the world by being free and open source. And so they got $3 million in funding and hired a team and decided to take it open source. And right like two weeks before they went open source, I decided that I loved Remix so much that all I wanted to do is teach Remix. In talking with them, we decided that would be better for everybody if I joined Remix. And so I joined Remix, uh, left my gainful unemployment um, <laughs> as a full-time educator to help people build better websites with Remix. And so that's where I am at now. So there are a lot of things to unpack there, as you <laughs> yeah. highlight. Ali or Divya, anything standing out to you that you want to dig into first? I'll jump in. This is more of a career question than anything, but I'm really interested what made you make the decision to go from like very successful teaching by yourself which is I think a lot of people's dreams to working for a company again yeah it was my dream for sure like I I was so thrilled with what I was doing I had a lot of plans I was working on uh, updating epic react.dev and testing javascript.com to use typescript and and a bunch of other things and and in the process I wanted to make a, a free typescript course so that people could learn typescript before they go through that stuff and so I had I had tons of plans I had the next like two years of my company planned out because these are enormous efforts tons and tons of workshops to practice the material before recording it and everything and so yeah I was excited. And the world was starting to open up a bit. And so I was starting to speak and everything. And yeah, but around like probably August of 2021, I started thinking, man, all I want to do is, well, maybe September, all, all I want to do is teach people Remix. So it, I started thinking about the TypeScript course and updating Epic React Intensity JavaScript as more of uh, chores that I had to do before I could start teaching Remix. And that is a, not a good sign for, you know, well, especially when like you can do whatever you want as a self-employed person, like you get total control. If you're not super jazzed about the things that you feel like you have to do, then that's not good. And so what I was starting to realize was like, I just don't want to do those things. I just want to teach Remix. That's all I want to do is teach people Remix. And sure, I'm not going to be able to update things like I was planning on. And I told people that I was planning on doing that. I always made it a point. It's a plan and not a promise. Those are two different things. They did not buy updates. But I kind of felt kind of compelled that I, I needed to do that. But I just really wanted to teach Remix. And so joining up with the Remix team offered me a couple of things. For one, it gave me a, a really easy excuse to say that I'm not going to update the old stuff because now I'm 100% on Remix from like a, a title perspective. But then also it gave me something that I never had before as an educator, and that is I can teach from inside the house. And what I mean by that, like I've always been teaching React, I've been teaching Jest, Cypress, all sorts of technologies, and like some that I created, so React Testing Library and, and others that where I, I guess I was inside the house there. But uh, teaching from outside, you have to establish your credibility. You have to, like, I definitely have taken some stands against what the core team recommended. 
like all of testing library was a big stance against what the React team and everybody else was recommending. So I'm not afraid to take a stance against it, but it is exhausting. And it would be much easier to not have to establish that credibility and just have it. Well, I, and of course, like I need to, to be credible, but to not have to argue with the people who say, well, the React team says this. And they're like, well, in my experience, this. Uh, so being inside of Remix and being the one responsible for teaching people Remix was really, I guess, compelling. And so, so far, I am super, super thrilled with the decision that I made. Like I said, all I wanted to do is teach people Remix, and now I get to do exactly that. And then I also get like a direct say on what the company does and what we focus our attention on. They brought me on with enough of the company to be a co-founder. And so I am a part of all of the, the company decisions and stuff, which I really like as well. So yeah, so far I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, that change. But it, I was totally nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I can do anything that I want to. And now I have to co-founders to answer to and employees that are like looking to me and everything like that rely on, on me to get stuff done. But so far it has been really awesome. I actually had a question that was related to just Remix in the context of the landscape of JavaScript framework. So obviously Remix is a newer framework that came out, as you mentioned, the history of it. A lot of the times, like when there's a new framework that comes out, it gets compared to others. And the one that's most significant tends to be Next.js. In like very short form, can you just talk through just the differences between what Remix brings compared to a framework like Next? Yeah, that is a very apt comparison. A lot of people are comparing Remix to Next. First, I want to make it clear that we're not after your Next.js apps. Um, if you like Next.js, like stick with it. We're really focused on being the an upgrade from React Router. And so for us, if you're using Next and you're happy with it, feel free to stick with it. But so many people have asked us this question. Um, it's just such a common question that um, I will reference this blog post that we, we did a really deep dive on Remix versus Next, basically we took the Next.js e-commerce demo, which is like, here's how you build an app with Next. And we built it ourselves. And so this is exactly how we envision people using Next. And only if you think that you're better than the Vercel team or the Next team, could you build something better, I suppose. And so we took that app and we did two things. First, we did a migration to Remix with that app. So we changed as little as possible, just migrated it to Remix. And then we completely rewrote it from scratch with Remix and then compared all three apps using webpagetest.org. And so webpagetest gives you like a real world experience. You can control what device and, and where in the world and all of that stuff. So this blog post goes really in depth with the comparison between Next and Remix. It's too nuanced to just give you like a two sentence answer. And so I'm going to just reference that. But the TLDR is Remix is fast, as fast or faster than Next at serving static content, even though it's server rendered. That should say volume. So hopefully that encourages people to take a look at that because it's pretty in-depth. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. We'll just have to add that to the show notes. I just pulled it up and it's really very thorough. So yeah. Well, I think in our next segment, we can dive a lot deeper into exactly what Remix does and doesn't do for you. But mm. quick question before we go there around the sort of paid versus open source question. Mm. I think there's a lot of discussion about what is a 
how can you make open source more sustainable, the challenges of maintaining especially a popular project, things like that. But there are also reasons that folks love open source. So I'm kind of curious, like, is there a company line about why you should still use Remix, even if you're mostly using open source or why it's worth paying for it? Well, like I said, it went open source in November. Okay. Ryan and Michael decided back in like August, September timeframe to start talking to VCs. And VCs were like, yeah, we're totally into this. We want you to go open source and and, and then we can figure out services and things that you can sell to make, make this sustainable. And uh, we're already working on some of those things. So Remix is not going away. I wouldn't have joined the company if I thought that Remix couldn't be successful as an open source project as well. And so if you take stock in my decision, then at least that speaks something at least. So yeah, we're, we're planning on, basically our goal is we want to help people build better websites. And insofar as we can do that with open source stuff, we will do that. And there are certainly some services and things that you need as you're building a website, unless you want to like deploy your own version of these different services and manage all of that, which most people don't. They just want to get their site up. And so we're going to be building these services that people can use to deploy their apps and stuff. And that's how we're, we're planning on making money. But right now we're just really focused on getting adoption and, and helping people be successful in, in using what is a relatively newer, newer framework. It's kind of the Gatsby model of we're going to open source the framework. We're going to pro- provide a bunch of framework specific services. With a completely different framework, but yeah. Well, and if we have time later, we can talk about some of the sort of how you dodge some of the pitfalls they fell into and, and other things. But mm. I'd love to maybe take a break and then get into the, the meat of what Remix is and what it does for you. Totally. This episode is brought to you by SignalWire. SignalWire offers APIs, SDKs, and edge networks around the world for building the realest real-time video and video communication apps with less than 50 milliseconds of latency. They use WebSockets to deliver 300% lower latency than APIs built on REST, making it ideal for apps where every millisecond and responsiveness makes a difference, like apps that need instant natural language understanding, real-time machine vision, or large-scale video and audio conferencing. Here's what makes them different. They use MCU, multi-point control unit that mixes all video and all audio feeds on the server side and then distributes a single unified stream back to every participant. That way, every participant in the apps you ship experience the same video and the same audio. Your apps have none of the awkward audio effects, obvious lag, and jumpy video. It's all smooth, great UX, creating a more lifelike virtual experience without compromising audio or the video quality. Head to signalwire.com slash video, mention GS Party to receive an extra 5,000 video minutes. Just go to signalwire.com slash video, and remember, mention GS Party to get those extra 5,000 video minutes. Let's hop back into Remix. 
what is it? What does it do for you? You t- mentioned that you envision it as a an upgrade to React Router, though as I was digging in, it looks like there's a whole lot more than that. So how would you describe the different pieces of Remix and what it does for you as a developer? Yeah, well, the router is actually one of the things that differentiates Remix quite a bit. And what's really cool is that we'll be able to move a lot of what makes Remix special into the router. So people will be able to, to just upgrade the router and get a lot of really awesome features. I think the, the the primary differentiator between Remix and everything that's out there on both sides of the network chasm, like front end, back end, because like front end isn't the only world that's trying to solve the web problems. You, you've got Rails and you've got Django and you've got uh, Laravel and everything. What really differentiates Remix amongst all of those is what we do about the network chasm. So like you just communicate across HTTP, uh, you're shooting grappling hooks across this huge uh, cliff and trying to get to the other side of that network. And managing that is a source of a lot of bugs. And so if you want to have a accessible app that feels really snappy, you've got to have a rich client. We've seen, I'm not afraid to say that hey.com, at least in my experience, was not great at all. It was a really, really slow user experience, pretty buggy. And granted, I used it like, a month after it came out. So maybe that was a little early, but there are some serious shortcomings when you're using primarily a backend technology and just trying to shoot a couple grappling hooks over that network chasm. It is it is a hard problem. And then on the other side, you've got uh, frameworks that are primarily client side and they also have a lot of problems. You start talking about, well, I don't wanna wait forever for my framework to download, so I'm gonna pre-render a bunch of stuff. But now you, what you pre-render is a bunch of loading states to your user. And so all of a sudden, your chase.com banking website has got like 13 spinners to load all of your stuff. Or you go to your, your power company and they've got like, on my power company, they've got cool little windmills and stuff like that, you know, for power generation, like we're the future and everything. Like that's fun and all, but I want to see my actual site. And so on both sides of this network chasm, you've got some serious problems, whether it be the initial load time or that experience once you get the user there. And so Remix, what really differentiates it is it builds a solid bridge across the network chasm where you can have the power of a backend framework and super, super fast loading times, but also the power of a front-end framework that interacts with that network really efficiently. And so from the developer experience point of view, you don't have a state management library. There's no global state management to speak of at all with when you're using a Remix app or developing a Remix app. So the question of like, does Redux work with Remix? Well, yeah, it does, but why would you do that? You don't need it. And the same with like GraphQL. Yeah, you totally can use GraphQL, but you're gonna use it on the backend with the backend portion of your code. The front end doesn't need to bother with shipping that enormous GraphQL client. And so with Remix, we, we take a lot of stuff that people are doing on the front end and we're moving it toward the backend. And so we, we ship less code because Remix is managing that network chasm for you rather than you having to bring in a bunch of libraries to try and, and piece together that. I guess I should say Remix is a, a web framework, not a React framework. It's a web framework that is focused on an excellent user experience and web fundamentals. So where a lot of other frameworks try to use the web platform and wrap different APIs and, and give you a maybe a nicer API or, or what they might think is a nicer API. Remix actually takes a step back and exposes those web APIs for you and leverages the platform unlike anything else. And 
there are so many things to say about this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stop. There there are a lot more things that I could talk about, like how we use the platform, especially and 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 how we normalize different deployment targets and stuff. But I'm gonna stop there because I can just never stop talking. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that you brought up the chasm between like what we talk about generally between client and server-side applications, because I feel like it's really interesting to see the industry sort of bounce backwards. So like everything at one point was like server-side rendered, and then we complained about how slow that was, which made us move towards like something that was very Jamstacky, where it's fully client-side, like load everything on, and then like load static pages basically. Mm -hmm. So everything is pre-built. But then there was complaints around that because it's just like it takes a long time for things to build. If you make any changes, you need to rebuild the entire thing. And then now we see this movement back with Remix and Next towards more server side or kind of leaning towards servers. And like I have opinions around that, but I'm actually curious around like yours regarding that shift and what is propelling that. Yeah, yeah. I think that. You can't be just have solid footing on either side of that and provide a great user experience. You have to be on both. And like modern infrastructure has made it so that it's actually relatively simple to deploy servers. So you don't have to manage servers, even like long time running servers as well. Like I'm not just talking serverless, like you could totally use serverless or, or Cloudflare workers and stuff. And they, they have a lot of things going for them. But even if you want to deploy a long running server process, fly.io I use for my website and Remix uses for its website. And I love it. It's awesome. I deploy my site to six regions all over the world. Remix deploys its site to, I think, like 12. So it's fast everywhere. We get all of the benefits to a long-running server process. We don't have to make all the trade-offs with uh, serverless. But that said, like serverless is also awesome. I'm really impressed by Cloudflare workers. And so the fact is that you can't have as excellent a user experience if you're just gonna be building static files and putting them on a, on a CDN. Now, if your site is truly static and every single user has the exact same experience on every single page, then that sort of site is a little less interesting to me, but those, those sites do exist. And CDNs also exist uh, and they understand shared cache headers and you can totally have your server be your build server basically. And so if you use cache headers properly, you can get all of the same benefits of static site generation. And what's really cool about that is if you decide, hey, you know what? My site is 100% static. It's just a blog. Every user gets the same experience. That's great. You can still build with Remix. And then you set up the right cache headers, shared cache headers, put Cloudflare in front of it or something. And then your origin server isn't being hit. Anytime you do an update to a blog post or something, you tell the CDN, hey, blow away the, that cache. And it will hit your origin server again and then cache it again. And then what's great about this approach is if you decide, hey, you know what? I want to do some blog recommendations or something. Like I want to do something dynamic. I want to have workshops and I want to show when I am, you know, what tickets are available or whatever. And then you don't have to go straight to a loading spinner for all of your users. That's what I did when I was on Gatsby. I was like, oh, I want to have workshops and I want to schedule some workshops and I've got tickets and whatever. I have to show them a loading spinner because I'm using Gatsby. Or you can like rebuild every time somebody buys a ticket, which when it's cached, it takes 10 minutes or 15 minutes to do that. So like, that's not a great experience. So if you just start with Remix 
and then set up cache headers for the static pages. And then you later decide, you know what? I don't want to cache this. I want every user to have a unique experience. Then you don't have to re-architect your entire site. So like where next we'll say, we like to give people the choice. They choose SSR or SSG. If you choose SSG, even with the same framework and you want to switch to SSR later, you have to completely re-architect that page. And that's not the only thing that, that makes Remix compelling from a developer experience standpoint. But that's one thing that we're just like, like the web has been doing this for a really long time. And so if you just leverage the web platform as it was established, then you can kind of change the, uh, the nuance of how your site is being served to your users without re-architecting how you built it. So yeah, I like servers. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Fly because it means I don't have to manage servers myself. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really nice to see the change or like a lot of the infrastructure sort of support that and just the fact that now you don't have to worry about having to scale yourself or just being like, I think the whole at least for me, when I was getting really like jazzed about client side and fully static was because I was just like, oh, you could just basically have it like loaded in multiple regions really easily instead of having to like basically provision a bunch of servers, which generally are very location dependent and not as distributed. But mm -hmm. now there's a lot of infrastructure that supports that kind of multi-region yeah. servers. And like Fly.io, as you mentioned, is one of them where it's just really easy for you to do. It scales quickly. You don't have to do a lot of the work and the heavy lifting. And the nice side is that, yeah, if you wanted something like serverless functions or whatever, you kind of don't run into those issues in the past with serverless functions where it's just like sometimes it's slow or you have cold start and just like all these problems mm -hmm. that come with that because it's just like, okay, your static assets are here but in order for your serverless function to run, it has to go all the way to this other server, which is somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so you get latency, which adds extra time to load, which are like added problems that I think we sort of gloss over when we're just like, static is great. Yeah. I like your argument, which is just that there's a balance because I've often seen and like, I think I've seen you rant about it on Twitter as well. Just the whole, like, there tends to be camps where people are like, I'm only, I only want a server-side render. I only want a client-side render stuff. And it's just like, as you mentioned, the platform in a way is this, it supports both really nicely. And being able to leverage that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Remix is really well positioned to do that in large part thanks to its ability to, we can deploy anywhere. So whether you want to do a long running server or a serverless function or a Cloudflare worker, which is kind of like a serverless function just in more places. And that's actually really interesting to me. Like I don't want to have to choose a single region for my app or my data or anything so I can deploy it all over. But then the other thing that, that makes Remix really especially positioned, well positioned for this is nested routing, which is a, a really unique feature of Remix as well. So can we dig into that a little bit? When I was looking at the docs for it, it reminded me a lot of Ember.js's approach to routing. Is it more or less the same concept or is there something different? How does it work? And I guess maybe explain how it works regardless because the React world may not be familiar with the Ember approach, even if it is the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're talking about me because I, I never used Ember. Michael and Ryan, well, Ryan especially, was really big into the Ember community. And I believe that he took a lot of cues from the Ember router. So nested routing is a feature of React Router v6. So if you're using React Router, upgrade to v6, and you'll get a lot of really awesome benefits. And basically, if a lot of people listening are probably familiar with Gatsby and Next, who have a very similar file-based nested routing. 
It is not a true nested routing, and, and there's a very important difference. So the way that nested routing from a file standpoint uh, works in Next and Gatsby is you have your pages directory, and then you have your folder structure that maps directly to the URL. And so let's say that you have an event, and so you're at mysite.com slash events slash event ID or something. So in the file system, that would be pages slash event slash, I can't remember each one of them do their own params thing, but the event ID dot TSX or whatever. And so when you're in that module, you're going to export a component that is responsible for the entire page when that route is active. So that means that when you're working on the UI for when a user's looking at a specific event, you're not just worried about the UI for the specific event, you're also worried about the listing of all events on the left side or whatever, and, and you're worried about the header, and you're worried about the footer, and all of this extra stuff that is kind of outside of the scope of this specific area of the app that this route is responsible for. And that has some big implications. And this is why layout routes or uh, layout components are a thing. Pretty much every Gatsby and Next app has a component called layout, maybe a couple components if you have multiple different sorts of layouts. And those layout components need to have props for different data that they're responsible for. So now you're also responsible for going and getting the data, uh, the initial data for those. Or it's easier if the layout is just responsible for fetching the data when it's rendered. And so you just put a loading spinner in there. Uh, and it's easier for you, but worse for the user. And um, that's why we I call static site generation spinner site generation, <laughs> because it's very natural to do that. It's easier as a developer. When you have true nested routing, though, your file system is basically the same concept. You, you um, have folders and stuff. It all maps to the URL. But the component that you're working on is only responsible for the area of the page that changes from route to route. And so if I'm on my event details page, then that module, the component module that, that is exporting, is just responsible for rendering the event details. It doesn't care about the header. It doesn't care about the footer. It doesn't care about the left nav or whatever any of that stuff, it's only caring about that area of the UI that it's responsible for. And that also has to do with data. And that route module also that has a loader, which is only run on the server to go and get the data. And because it's only run on the server, and Remix will call it if the user's navigating. So we do support client-side navigation. We don't server render every page. And so Remix will make sure that we call that, whether we're server rendering or if we're client transitioning. And so it only runs on the server. You can use your private keys in there. You can connect to the database in there. You can do whatever you want to in there because it only runs in the server. Oh, and by the way, you can use your GraphQL in there, and you don't have to ship the GraphQL client to the browser because it's all just on the server. And so you can do a lot just inside of there. And, and again, that loader is only, it only cares about the data that is it's responsible for this particular nested route. And so then the parent, it, all it cares about is the you know getting the the list items for the different events or whatever it doesn't have to worry about getting the specific like all of the lists or all of the events or whatever and it, like if you have got a b tests or whatever it can only load the data for the particular stuff that it needs and all it's responsible for is the part of the ui that it's responsible for and rent uh, telling remix where the child should go so if, if i have a child this is where it's going to go and it uses what's called an outlet component for that it's really declarative api 
And this has just enormous implications from the developer experience as I've described, but also on the user experience because we can really optimize what of all of the data needs to be refreshed as the user's navigating around. Because we're your router and we're your bundler, we know exactly what resources, both like JavaScript, CSS, and data, we need to get just by looking at the URL. This is very different. Like, look at the URL and tell statically all of the data that you need on that page. You will not be able to do it, but Remix can. So this has enormous applications on being able to prefetch stuff. So as the user is using your site, it feels like the whole site was downloaded from the beginning rather than having to code split everything. So yeah, nested routing is one of the, the key components to what makes Remix so special. I guess that also makes error handling really nice because then you're not failing an entire page if like parts of the page fail. Yes, Divi, you get it. Yeah, so <laughs> like this is so big. So React has had this concept of error boundaries for a really long time. So you can have like specific, it's kind of like a try catch in your JSX sort of. And so like, that's awesome. Unfortunately, React does not support error boundaries in server rendering. So if you're landing on a page and one of your components blows up, then the entire page is gone. And so what we typically do is we'll like try to render the header and the footer and we'll put like a little koala in the middle of the page with a tear running down his face and be like, sorry, something broke. But with Remix, we make error boundaries work on the server. And not only that, but they also handle errors that happen in your loader as well. And so if you have any problems loading data, like maybe you've got some bad data and you call a property that doesn't exist or something, we will handle that in your error boundary and it's all contextual. So if you've got a particular event that's busted, bad data, the user can use the rest of the app. And that's huge. Like it even has business implications because instead of users say, hey, the app is busted, they say, hey, this event has is broken. I can use all the other events. It's fine. But this event is busted. So it that has huge implications as well. I have a question about something you kind of alluded to there. So I love nested routing. It's a beautiful abstraction generally. I've, I've always been sad that Ember take there hadn't picked up more widely. But one of the challenges you can kind of run into there is kind of the data cascade because you have many different queries that need to run for each of these different components. And even though they may not be dependent on each other, they can get serialized in different ways. And it, I know that Facebook built out all this tooling for coalescing up their GraphQL requests. Uh, we use something similar, though it's a little more manual at where I work. But I'm, I'm curious, does Remix handle this for you? You know, Does it give you a way to coalesce all of those different components at different layers of the route their data requests and run it as a single request? Yeah, yeah. So we don't run it necessarily as a single request. I, I mean, on a client transition, I think we do. But we, we run them all in parallel. And so every one of your route modules can export a loader. And when a user navigates to a different page or if they just land on the page, then we run everything in parallel. So you cannot access your parent data, loader data, because we... If we allowed you to do that, then we would run into this data cascade, which is not good at all. And so, yeah, every single loader runs in parallel. We do not have this problem. And I guess I'll fill in the silence and talk about forms. <laughs> so loading data is an interesting thing, but making changes to data is what really makes the difference between a website and a web app. And I mean, the distinction between a website and web app is kind of silly anyway, but like a lot of people will, will 
I guess say that's, I don't know. I don't care what the difference is. You can build web apps with Remix. You can build websites. I don't care. But mutating data is often the, the missing piece in most frameworks. Most frameworks are like, yeah, okay, we, we have a really nice API for loading the data. Oh, but you're going to change something? Well, you're on your own. You got to figure out how to update the data when you make a change or whatever. And so like, we'll bring in these different libraries that know nothing about your routes, and, and you have to wire everything together. So Remix says, no, that's a very important part of the web. Since web 1.0, we had forms for mutating data, and we're going to do that again. And so Remix gives you a really nice API for data mutations that is just a form. And when you load data, you use your loader. When you mutate data, you use your action. So you have this form. It automatically posts to the route that you're currently on. And so just like with the loader, when you're writing your component, you're like, oh, I need more data. I'll just like scroll up the, the file to my loader, make some changes in, on the server side, and then boom, I can use it. If you're writing a form, you can just scroll up to your action function, and now you can handle what happens when the user submits a form. And this, again, only runs on the server. And so you can do all your validation logic there and whatever. You can share validation logic if you want to. So if you want to run some validation logic on the, the client, you just literally take the, the validation logic, put it in a function, and use it in both places, like in the same file. So it's pretty straightforward to do that. And then you can, like again, use your private keys, connect to databases, whatever, because it's just on the server. But then to take it even further, Remix kind of takes cues from Web 1.0 where if a user submits a form twice in a row, so like they hit submit, and then they, you know, like we're, we're checking off uh, to-do lists or whatever, check, check, check. What the web browser does before we bring in any JavaScript, the web browser will say form submission is a navigation. So we're going to uh, go and we're going to wait for the server to respond. And then the user says, go again. They actually cancel that request. So they, they ignore whatever response that was and they'll send the new one. And boom, 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 you can send and cancel. And Remix does exactly this same thing. And also, when uh, the server finally does respond, the browser is going to render whatever HTML the server responded with. Or, or if the server is doing things right, they're going to redirect the user to somewhere else so they can go and get, get that. And so what that effectively is, is we say, hey, all of the data on the, uh, the page is completely up to date because we just barely got it all from the server. So Remix does the same thing. By default, when you make a mutation, Remix says, who knows what changed on the server? Nobody knows, not even the developer sometimes. And so we're just going to go refetch everything. And so what this means is by default, you never have to think about keeping state up to date. You don't have to worry about application state at all. That's why I said you don't need Redux or anything like that. Because as soon as the user makes a mutation, Remix will go ahead and update all of the state that's on the page. Now, of course, you can optimize that. There might be some unnecessary data fetching happening, but uh, the default is correct. And I think that is really, really powerful. And then on top of that, because like we, we build web apps, not every single mutation is a transition or is like a, a navigation necessarily. So we have really nice APIs for non-navigation mutations, but they operate in effectively the same way. And so this drastically simplifies a lot of what most people are building on the web these days when it comes to mutations. And, and even like people who, who used to write web apps like six or seven years ago are singing you know, the praises of like, oh my gosh, this feels just like it did before. And then the people who are building modern websites or who, sorry, I should say that differently. The people who have just started learning building websites in the modern world 
are like, wow, this is a totally new approach, like using a form instead of a button with an on-click, like, wow, that is interesting. But it, it all works really well. And, and on top of that, it also works even before the JavaScript is finished loading. And so we load it faster. And if the user happens to start using your app before it's finished loading, it actually still works. And so progressive enhancement is coming back. We're making a comeback with progressive enhancement. This is a really a big win for the web. So that's exciting for me. I think it also like highlights a really important point which you just mentioned, which is like the use the platform piece, which also helps remove any obfuscation around writing data to the server. I've worked with like a lot of different frameworks before and forms are generally the one that causes a lot of trip ups because mm -hmm. like mutations, it's not just about new data, it's about how the original data is changing. Mm. And so there's so much logic that you end up writing, at least in state management systems, where you're checking to see how the data changes. Because like one, you might want to, for instance, with forms, there are instances where you want to show how the data is changing. Like, oh, I'm incrementing, so I want to show it as green, or I'm decrementing and I want to show it as red or whatever. Mm. And so there's a lot of nuance there that tends to get added and a lot of logic that gets added that makes it really complex. And then you also have to deal with the other piece, which is not just that, but also the specific actions that you want to happen. So like with the with using the platform, as you mentioned, it's just get and post. Mm -hmm. It's like fairly straightforward. Yeah. Versus like in state management systems, you're like, okay, if the data changes this way, I want it to be a put. If it changes in this way, I want it to be like a delete or whatever. And so you're just like constantly just like writing to different routes, which adds to the confusion, at least for someone who's newer or someone who's unfamiliar with the framework. And so it's really cool that this works off of knowledge or at least fundamentals that is, you know, across, it's just the web, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, like, what you're describing is, there are lots of ways to do this if you're not going to do it the web way. And so when you come into a code base where multiple developers have been working, you have to get into the mind of the developer who built it to figure out what they were thinking. Like, what's their mental model for how this is updated? And that is not great uh, for a team. So it's way better to come to an agreement on the, the mental model for how we do mutations. And let's just use the web as a, as a model for that. And everything else branches off of that. And so wherever you go in a Remix app, you know exactly how or what the, the developer was thinking when they built that mutation story because it's just the web. And on top of that, if you are working with Remix for a long time and then you move on to a new project that's not using Remix, you can carry all of that knowledge with you because you're still on the web. And so the transferable knowledge uh, that you build with Remix is, can't be overstated. Like that, that benefit is huge. This reminds me a lot of when we talked to Tom Preston Warner about Redwood, which is another one of these kind of attempting to be full stack frameworks, in, very much inspired by Ruby on Rails, which I'm, some of the language you're using describing this reminds me of that. And it has the same concept of like packaging up the data query and the mutation and things like that for a component together. They have this concept of cells. All of this is bringing me back to the, like the Rails world that I grew up in. One of the things they that was true in that world that I have never seen feel nearly as seamless in the JavaScript front-endy world is form validation. Does Remix do anything for you there? Yeah, well, it's interesting because when we're talking about form validation, we're basically talking about 
taking what the user gave us and making sure that it's correct. So like, you know, that this is an email or that this is, you know, has a certain length or whatever. And you can 100% use the HTML attributes for all of that stuff. That is awesome. But uh, you, you can't just rely on client-side validation. We all know this. And so you have to think about, okay, so what about the backend? And because your action runs just on the server, then you can write all your validation logic right in there. And so within your action, you say, get whatever the user inputted as the email and just make sure it has an at symbol on it and something before the at and something after the at. And that's like as much as you want to do with the email validation. And so like, or, you know, make sure their password is X number of characters long. And if it's not, then you return errors and right in your component, you have access to what those errors are and you can display those. So that's as much uh, of an abstraction that Remix gives out of the box. And for like 90% of the use cases, that's enough. So it's possible we could like offer more. And and one thing that we talk about a lot with Remix is that we're center stack. So we don't want to be uh, back end or front end or um, whatever. And and full stack is interesting, but a lot of people take issue with that because we don't have like a an email or package or something like that. But uh, we focus on center stack, which is unique. That chasm is real and it causes a lot of problems. And so by focusing on solidifying that bridge across the chasm, we can slowly eat into the, both the front end and the back end. And we do plan on building more things for front end stuff as well as back end stuff. So eventually like we'll we'll start eating into both sides of this and and potentially having some other abstractions for form validation as possible, but we, we don't have anything on the table right now because what we have is pretty dang good. And primarily, like we just focus on the web platform APIs. And so we do expose the form body object that you get when a user submits a form and stuff. So we can give quite a bit of, I mean, the web platform gives us a lot just out of the box. So I'd love to to talk in the next section about what's upcoming. But before we do, I noticed we've been talking a lot and, and Ali, you've been there listening. What's standing out to you? Do you have any thoughts or questions for Kent? Well, it sounds awesome. And I've played around a little bit with Remix, but haven't gotten as deep as I want to. What would be your recommended resources for getting started? So because I am full-time on Remix, if you don't have a good experience with Remix, it's my fault, or at least my responsibility to make better. Right before we launched the 1.0, I put a lot of effort into a really awesome getting started guide or a, a deep dive. So Ryan also, as an educator, he put together um, the quick start. And so that should be like a half hour experience exposing you to the concept of loaders and actions and forms and stuff like that. And then I put together a deep dive that goes really, really deep on like how to build, hand roll your own authentication and how to uh, get a Postgres uh, or a, uh, I think we use SQLite with Prisma. And so you can swap it for Postgres and how to get all of that like database stuff set up, how to build an optimistic UI sort of experience with Remix, which by the way, is really, really great. The optimistic UI story for Remix is awesome. And so, yeah, it gets really in depth. It's basically like two workshops, maybe three worth of material. And so that would be the best way to get started. Do the quick start. And then if you really want to dive deep, then do the deep dive. Oh, and actually I should mention also, we have a really active Discord community. And so if, if you do want to get into Remix, 100% join that because our Discord community is really friendly and happy to help. Yeah, I, t I take pride in that. <laughs> They're awesome. This episode is brought to you by Sourcegraph. 
Sourcegraph is code search for every developer and team. Easily search across all the code that matters to you in your organization. Find example code, explore and read code, debug issues, and so much more. And I talked with Byung Lu, CTO and co-founder of Sourcegraph, and asked him to share what code search is, what developers and teams are missing out on, and how Sourcegraph provides code search to every developer in the world. If you've worked inside a Google or a Facebook or any one of these really big, well-respected technology companies, chances are you've used something like code search before and you, you know the value that it provides to your team. You know that almost every single engineer inside these organizations uses it on a, a daily basis. If you've never had that experience, chances are you may not know what you're missing out on. You know, the term code search sounds a lot like, you know, grep or the search inside your editor. And that's what a lot of people think when they first hear it. But it's really about much more than that. It's really about connecting you as a developer to the broader universe of code and code related data that's relevant to you, that you need at hand in order to enter that, you know, magical flow state of, you know, being in your editor, writing code quickly, making rapid progress towards that feature bug fix that you're working on. It's really about making all that contextual information accessible at your fingertips. And what that means is think about every single repository, every single file, and every single language, uh, every single diff, and every single open source dependency or maybe closed source dependency that's shared across your organization. All that is searchable through a single text box. And that's really powerful because it means all this friction is eliminated between you and understanding that broader world of code. You don't have to clone stuff down to your local machine. You don't have to mess around with editor config. You don't have to be constantly bugging people on other teams who may not even know who you are in order to teach yourself how all that code works. What Sourcegraph is, is really a way for the rest of us, the people who don't work inside the Googles, the Facebooks, to get a tool that gives us access to that sort of information readily and, and at our fingertips. It's really about bringing this, this type of tool that a lot of the larger technology companies have developed and invested hundreds of millions of dollars into making for the productivity of their own engineers and making that accessible to every single developer in the world. All right, if code search powered by Sourcegraph sounds like something you and your team can use, head to info.sourcegraph.com slash changelog and click the button that says try Sourcegraph now. You can install it locally, deploy it to a server or to a cluster. They have a quick start guide that takes less than five minutes to install Sourcegraph using Docker, so it's too easy to give it a try. Again, head to info.sourcegraph.com slash changelog. Okay, let's get back into it for our third segment, looking forward to the future. So we've talked a lot about what makes Remix exciting today, what drew you into it. So we've talked the past, we've talked the present. Now let's visit the ghost of, of Remix future. <laughs> what's coming down the path? What's on your roadmap for the next, say, one to two years? Because, you know, JavaScript world, we can't look out past two years. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking out five years. But um, the near future for Remix is this thing called stacks. And we typically don't like to talk about things that aren't shipped yet, but I'm going to break that rule a little bit because we're pretty close on this. And this is, I'm super, super excited about this. There are two things that frameworks like to talk. Well, one thing that lots of people like to talk about with frameworks, and that's how fast I can get started. 
you know, like that's always like anytime I'm brought into an interview, they want me to demo, like getting off the ground running and stuff. And I think that's deceptive a little bit because that does not matter <laughs> for any anybody who wants to build something that lasts, right? It, who cares if it takes five minutes or an entire day to get up, up uh, off of the ground running if you plan on maintaining this app for the next 10 years? It doesn't, like it could take two months to get off the ground running. If you're gonna plan on maintaining it for 10 years, that like is a fraction, like a tiny piece of the time. Now, of course, it does not take that long to get up off the ground running with Remix. But I think what is way more important is how maintainable is your app and changeable is your app, like adaptable is your app over the long term. And so we really focused right from the get go on making it so that you could adapt your app to changing requirements over time. So I feel like we've really nailed that. And we've got a couple other things in the future that I'll talk about in a second to, to make that even better. But because we focus so much on that, the getting started is pretty good. But uh, there are like things that you kind of have to build yourself right now, uh, like if you want to put together auth by yourself or whatever you want to do. And a lot of people like to say, hey, like Remix isn't really a full stack framework because it doesn't even have auth and it doesn't have a database and it doesn't have all these other an ORM or whatever. And um, yeah, okay, that's fine. Like what, what they're really asking is, we just don't wanna have to think about setting that up ourselves. They don't really care that Remix doesn't itself ship with those things, they just don't wanna set it up. And that's fine. And actually another thing is a lot of Remix users, especially because again, we're targeting React Router users, a lot of these people are just using Webpack, bundling it all together and sticking it on a CDN or something on, on some file share thing or whatever and serving their app internally or something. And so they're not used to deploying to a service or deploying even an internal node hosting thing or whatever. And so what we're focused on with Stacks is providing you a really easy way to get set up to deploy to a partic uh, particular target, to have a, a database set up, to have user authentication already set up for you. And the thing is that Remix doesn't actually provide abstractions for these things, like beyond like managing cookies and stuff. The abstractions that we do provide and the exposure to the web platform we give you makes it really easy to build these things yourself. And when it's really easy to build it yourself, then you can manage it over time and make changes to it over time, which I think is way more valuable than an abstraction that you have to learn. And so what we're doing is we're creating these stacks, we're generating this code for you that you can manage yourself. It's not a lot of code, but like all the configuration for like a GitHub action and a, a Docker file for deploying to fly, that's actually the one that I was finishing up this morning was a fly stack that has authentication, a Postgres database, that's all like ready for read replicas on fly and everything and and multiple re regional deployments. We have staging deployment as well for your, your dev branch. And then uh, I set up Cypress for end-to-end -end testing with even like mocking of third-party services all set up for you. And vtest with uh, for your lower level unit tests, prettier TypeScript, ESLint, all of that stuff. And so all you have to do is run this one little script and boom, you have this full app. So that is the near future is Remix Stacks. We'll have the same thing for Architect and, and whatever else. And I'm gonna withhold one little aspect of this for part of the surprise when, when it finally comes out because it's gonna blow your socks off. It's so good. So that is one thing that's that's coming up close. I've got a couple other things, but I'm gonna stop talking for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually curious in terms of, so usually with frameworks, there's usually the core and like how it's built and so on. And uh, I think Remix currently has these server adapters, which is what you were mentioning with Express and Rosell and Alpha and so on. 
Is there any plans as to extending or allowing plugins to be built from the community perspective? So if you wanted to add adapter, like other adapters or ways in which you can use Remix, is that something that is in the pipeline? Yeah, yeah, that actually is totally possible right now. And we'd love for Netlify and Vercel to take ownership of those packages. It's like a couple hundred lines long, like maybe maybe 200 lines long. It's not a lot to make an adapter. You basically, the biggest challenge is because we want to normalize all of the platforms, we normalize it to the web fetch API. And so request response has to be a re uh, fetch request response uh, and headers and all that stuff. And so your adapter is basically responsible for taking the request, converting into a web fetch request, and sending it into Remix. And then Remix sends back a response. You convert that into whatever platform response that you need, and then you know send that response the way the platform does it. And so yeah, it's totally possible to build your own adapters. And also we have a really awesome plugin type API where like somebody could have. By the way, like Remix isn't just for UIs. It's also you. You could take an Express uh, REST API or or some sort of made up jumble of endpoints and migrate that over to Remix, and Remix can totally do that as well. And so, if you had something like that, you could install a plugin and all of a sudden have an admin interface for your REST API or whatever, Swagger Docs or something like that. That would be a very straightforward thing to build with Remix, which I'm really looking forward to when people discover that because it's huge. One thing that I really like about Remix is how abstractable it is uh, from both the platform standpoint, but also like the lower level abstractions within the code. And then even like the, the configuration abstractions to be able to add an entire set of routes just by updating the Remix config. A lot of the exciting things from the future will come from the community when they discover these abstraction points. Nice. Yeah, I think that's usually what helps with adoption oftentimes when there are these ways in which you can kind of extend and adapt an existing framework or platform, because that's when you know that the community cares or they want to use it for various use cases. It's really hard as a core developer or building a core product to know all the various use cases. But yeah, if you wanted to build something like auth or something like a database or all of those things, those are essentially extensions of the core. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to see how or what users care about and when they build it it means that you it means <laughs> that the community is growing it's a good sign yeah yeah we're, we're seeing a lot of excitement on that end of things k-ball you asked earlier if we have abstractions for forms and there are a couple of members of the community who've built some really awesome abstractions for forms that are like remix specific that are really cool and some things like Somebody built a, a Remix auth that has different strategies for email and password or magic links or uh, GitHub or whatever, you know, OAuth. And some of these things are just web platform abstractions. They're not even Remix specific, which is pretty sweet. So another thing that I wanted to mention that is coming in the future is a really common need is real-time sort of experience. You can absolutely use WebSockets with Remix. So like we expose the web platform to you and you can, and like web workers and all the, the cool stuff that, that you wanna do. But we wanna have like a router intelligent abstraction for this. And so we're gonna build in some really awesome abstractions for real-time data. There's a, a GitHub discussion about this that Ryan opened up recently and, and our API ideas for this are really cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Actually, somebody's already written a blog of, uh, about how you can get uh, WebSockets working and stuff uh, with Remix today, but we're going to have really nice stuff. If you want to do WebSockets and try and scale that yourself or use like some sort of pusher or something like that, or, or even polling, we'll have really awesome API for you for that. 
So yeah, in general, like roadmap and the future, you can bet that anything that Remix can do to improve the user experience of Remix apps, we will pursue that. And anything we can do to improve the developer experience as an input into user experience, so long as it doesn't reduce the user experience, we will pursue that as well. There's a lot of excitement about uh, React version 18 and server components and stuff. We are very well situated to take advantage of those when they can improve the user experience. Right now, they cannot. It is not released yet, and it is not great yet. But we're hopeful that it will be. And we do have a blog post that shows where it's at right now with the current demos. And like I said, it's not great. We'll put a, a link to that in the, the notes. But yeah, we are like... Literally, people will just have to rename their files to .server, and all of a sudden, it's a React server component. So people ask about that a lot. We are not currently doing anything with that because it's not, it's not ready. We are already way better than what they can do um, when we have React 17. And then like people talk about streaming, same story. People talk about partial hydration. Like We haven't seen anything that's really compelling from that aspect either. But when, when we do, if that ever becomes something that if you can do better than Remix where we're at right now, then we will pursue making that happen. And I can't see any reason why we wouldn't be able to support partial hydration in the future if you could actually demonstrate that it was better for the user experience. Right now, a huge problem with partial hydration, and for those who don't know, partial hydration is basically you render your HTML and then you can render different components individually, like hydrate individual components and stuff. It sounds technically really awesome because you don't have to load all of this code. The problem is that as the user starts using the app, when they click on the button, they have to wait until it's hydrated. <laughs> and that's not a good user experience. So getting all of the HTML and everything on the page, that's one aspect of the user experience. Really fast, that's awesome. That's like, good on you. Get that HTML on the page, awesome. But like the user's here now, and we need to give them a good user experience as they use the app. And so we're, we haven't seen anything that's super compelling from that aspect of like, okay, so now that the user's here, let's make sure that the app is ready for them to start using. And we are keeping an eye on this stuff. But what we have done so far is we will take existing demos of different things and we'll rebuild it in Remix and we'll say, yep, Remix is better. Okay, good. We'll move on and we'll wait until they can, can get things better. So you can talk about technical Im improvements and, and the technical aspects of why certain things are better. But Remix, we're, we're all about show us. Show us why it's better. You know, we'll keep an eye on it and, and we'll make sure that we can pivot as needed. But right now... Remix is the best way to build a web application in 2022. That's why I joined the company. Can we go and talk a little bit then about commercial sustainability? Sure. Because this is you know, a common topic of concern on JS Party is the sustainability of companies that are focused around open source. You know, we saw the devastation that NPM turned into. Mm -hmm. Certainly Gatsby has challenges and things like that. And one of the things I think that at least my take has been like companies that are focused around a particular open source solution seem to be struggling more than companies that sort of try to ride the wave of many open source. Like uh, Gatsby is having its lunch eaten by like Netlify and Vercel, right? Like they're, mm -hmm. they provide the types of things that Gatsby has, but not just for Gatsby and things like that. Now, one exception that is sometimes seen as things like uh, the Tailwind, where they make their commercial success around training rather than around the framework itself or the tooling or something like that. So to the extent that it's not you know, giving away 
company secrets. Can you talk a little bit about where you see the sustainable path here? Like what's going to keep Remix the company from going away in two years and stranding Remix the framework? Yeah, that's a super great question. And a lot of people are wondering about that. Like nobody wants to rewrite their product in a framework that might not be around in the future. So like I said uh, earlier, I, I would not have jumped ship from my gainful unemployment to Remix if I didn't think it was going to be successful. Seriously, even if I didn't think it would be successful without me, I still wouldn't have done it because I, I want it to be successful on its own right. So there are a lot of directions that we can go. Hosting is an obvious one. Like We'd love to partner with folks like Fly uh, in the future <laughs> and, and just provide a really awesome deployment strategy for Remix and React Router apps. Um, so like that's definitely one avenue that we're exploring. Also, like images. My personal website gets uh, about a half a million page views a month. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. So images, because my website's a blog, I have a lot of images and I host on Cloudinary and Cloudinary is outrageously expensive. Yeah. And so I cannot wait until we build something for images with Remix. And so in the future, that's another option. We're not committing to any of this or anything like, but I'm just giving you some like very clear ideas of different things. Like I said earlier, we're going to offer whatever we can offer to make help people build better websites. Some of those things will just be bits of code and things that they can just install in the Remix app and, and just run it along. We could have a, a Remix images thing where you install this plugin and all of a sudden you can serve your own images thing and it'll be mm -hmm. like just kind of like Cloudinary where it'll resize and all of that stuff. But if you don't want to host that yourself, you don't want to manage that yourself, whatever, then we'll have a, a service for that. And same thing with email. Probably have some sort of email thing, but we, we might offer an email service or internationalization or CMS or whatever. So I guess I should say, that we do have financing from VCs and we can probably build a really good business out of this initial funding that we've received. But just like every other company, the seed round is, is not the last round. And we're planning on showing that we can have enough adoption that people are really interested in what we have to build. And then when we go and raise more money, then we can use that money to really build some really awesome sustainable business services. Ryan, Michael, and I have been in this business for a long time. Ryan actually has been doing this before CSS was invented. And <laughs> so he's been like in this for a really long time. We know what it, it takes to build a really awesome web platform or, or, or web presence. So we're going to create software solutions for all of these problems that we've experienced I shipped apps at PayPal to millions of users all over the world. I've got like 3,000 signed in users on, on my website. So <laughs> I get like uh, a quarter of a million unique visitors on my website every month. So like we know how to build and ship web applications that serve millions of people. We know what it's like to build in the enterprise. And so we're going to solve the problems that we experienced in those places and offer those as services. So like let your imagination run wild with that. But that is our plan. Nice. I think you all are thinking about the right problems because a lot of things like specifically with images, like you mentioned, and like probably video as well at some point are issues that are very difficult to handle. And like there's Git LFS, which is a nightmare to deal with if you don't want to use a hosting platform and having to deal with that and storing it and resizing it. There's a lot. I remember Netlify doing something very similar with that. And there's a lot of like nuances that you need to get through understanding what users want with it. So yeah, I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah, exciting times ahead. But right now we're focused on adoption. And if anybody wants to help with that, really seriously make a good impact on 
our success in the future. You know, because the more uh, success we have in, in fundraising, the more people that we can hire, like smart people and everything to help us make this a, a success and the better the framework can get. And so if you really want to help, then what we need is people to get really good at Remix and teach people what they know. That is what we need right now. So like meetups, speak at conferences. And by the way, Remix Conf is coming at the end of May and uh, it's going to be awesome. And Fly is a sponsor. So I hope to see you there, Divya. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Amplify is a sponsor too, Ali. So I hope to see you there too. Yeah. <laughs> K-Ball, get on the ball here. <laughs> I'm going. Do you want to do a, a live show? Yeah, since there's two of us. Let's do it. K-Ball, you should totally just come. We can talk about this <laughs> offline, but we have historically done live shows. You just got to treat we us have. like speakers. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. Let's talk about this. But yeah, like come speak at, at uh, RemixConf or, or speak at other conferences about Remix. We just really need to help people understand the magic of Remix so that we can make the web better. That's our ultimate goals. Ryan and Michael like to, and I like to talk about how we're just sick and tired of using our kids' schools' websites and we want those to be better by default. Ryan and Michael would be like, man, who built this stupid thing? And they open up the dev tools and find out that they're using React Router and like I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man. And so like they're looking forward to, to having really awesome user experiences by default with something that they built. I love that phrase, make the web better by default. All right. Thank you for joining us today. This has been super fun. Appreciate it. And I'm excited to go try out Remix. I have not yet tried it. I just read about it and seen you tweeting. Uh, so I'll be trying that out. And yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And that is it for today's JS party. So we will see you later, all. That's JS Party for this week. Remix, your thoughts? Let us know in the comments. There is a direct link to the discussion thread at the top of your show notes. Everyone on this episode will be notified of what you have to say. So it's a great place for follow-ups, clarifications, links to related projects, stuff like that. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe at jsparty.fm. We're also in your favorite podcast app. Just search for JS Party. Special thanks to Fastly for CDNing for us all these years, to Breakmaster Cylinder for the fresh beats, and to you for listening. We appreciate you. Next up on the pod, Amel and Nick hang out with JS Jabber regular Dan Shapir and discuss all things web perf, because time is money, y'all. We'll have that episode ready for your ear holes next week. A better idea would be to replace slash improve the fetch spec.